Good morning, everybody. My name is Tom Randall, and it's good to be back. Um, Karen and I deserted you for much of the winter. We're sorry about that. But it is always good to come home, especially to this church. We love this being our home church. Uh, we love you, and uh, thankful to get a chance to fill the pulpit again. I have some stories for you. Can you imagine that? <laughs> In fact, I had to change my whole message because I got up here last night, and they had a full orchestra. And I thought it was cool that you would welcome me back with a full orchestra. <laughs> and these four people, they were, I think there's four of them went to playing the violin, and I love the violin. And it reminded me of a story I had to tell you, so I changed everything. Um, it's about a fellow named Niccolo Paganini. Niccolo Paganini was a famous uh, 19th century violinist in Italy. A very talented and, and quite a showman, um, and people loved him. Anyway, the story goes, he was in the big concert hall doing, um, playing his violin. He had the orchestra, full orchestra behind him, and they were playing, and they were coming toward the end of the concert, and people really appreciated him, and so they were excited. And, but as he went down in the last number, one of his strings popped, broke, and just flung up in the air, just beautiful, right up there in the lights. You could see it. You know, and he kept on going beads of sweat, you know, and he started concentrating more because he only had three strings. And the conductor looked over and he kept going, but he was worried. And there, wouldn't you know it, a second string popped. Now he's got two, two strings popped up in the air. And he's still playing and he's still sweating and he's still concentrating. And the people are appreciating it every second because they know it's not right. He only has two strings and wouldn't you know it, a third string popped. And he's down to one string. Now they're not only entertained, they're amazed. And so is the conductor, because they don't stop. He finishes the number. And of course, before he even finished, they were up and, and bravo, bravo, bellissimo, congratulating him on what a performance. And he asked everybody to sit down. Of course, they were disappointed, because now there wouldn't be an encore. But he said, oh, please sit down. He said to the conductor, prepare my encore. Let's prepared the music, and the conductor looked at him, he was really confused, and he, looked, he held his violin up in the air, and he said to everybody, my next number, Panganini on one string, <laughs> tucked it up under his chin like they do, and he started to play on one string, he did the whole number with the orchestra on one string, you can imagine the response he got. It's a great story about fortitude and persistence and, and improvisation, and it refreshed people. Um, and music does that. The thing that I loved about coming, I told Todd, I got to sit down here like the worship and the music before I even got up. I was already ready to go last night and this morning. Be refreshed. This is a great church, isn't it? The music, the preaching from the pulpit, you're always going to get something that can refresh you. I was um, out on tour, the golf tour as a chaplain one year, and we were in Pebble Beach, and I always loved to go to Pebble Beach because I like to play the course. And it's, it's not usual that an amateur or just somebody of my status gets to get on that golf course because of the cost of it and the exclusivity. But the guys took me golfing from the tour, and one of them I played with, uh, Scott Simpson, uh, fine believer, 1987 U.S. Open champion, won 16 tournaments, um, great golfer. A guy in college was not a believer, was more an atheist and very intelligent and came to Christ. Uh, great guy, I've never missed Friday night. 
and became a close friend of mine in Christ. And he said, Tom, I want you to come to dinner with me tonight, my treat. I want you to meet a friend of mine, okay? I said, sure, be, I'm free tonight. So we headed off to dinner. And as I slid into the restaurant booth, across from me um, was his friend. Scott was on my right, and I looked and I said, I didn't say anything. I looked at him and said, man, this guy looks like Bill Murray, you know, the famous actor and comedian from, like, Ghostbusters and Caddyshack and different places and Saturday Night Live. And Scott says, oh, Tom, I want you to meet my friend Bill Murray. <laughs> I said, it is Bill Murray. I mean to tell you, I, I never get over these shocking introductions to people that I meet. It, every kind of person you meet. Bill Murray entertained me for 90 minutes. I mean, he was as funny in person as he is on the screen. I, and when I went home, my lungs hurt and my jaw hurt. You know, when you laugh that hard for so long? And, but I was refreshed. It was just a refreshing evening. Those are fun things for us to be refreshed. I want to talk to you today about how we need to be refreshed in our inner spirit by God and how important that is. You come to church to be refreshed, and it's a safe place here for you to do that. Philemon, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Philemon. It might be hard to find. It's only one, just one chapter, one big long chapter on one page. But Paul wrote this letter to Philemon um, while he was in prison, and Paul, who was the ultimate encourager, all of the things he wrote to encourage us in Christ, to uplift our faith, he needed encouragement. And he wrote this letter to Philemon. Now, Philemon was a strong believer, and Paul knew of his capacity and record of encouraging people and refreshing people. Um, he, was, he had his own house church. Uh, back then, they always met in houses. There wasn't any buildings till the third century, so big buildings or churches. So they met in house churches. Um, and he had one, and he was very close to Paul. He was a personal, had a very personal relationship with Paul. I think possibly Paul led him to Christ, and that's the reason. But whatever it was, they knew each other and were close. And so Philemon had the potential here to encourage Paul. Here's what Paul writes, verse 4. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. There's that word again. Paul uses it a lot. In fact, just go over to verse 20. And it says again, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Oh, I'd say Philemon is a good example of a heart refresher. Somebody who encourages you. Uh, a heart refresher, somebody who refreshes people, is someone who not only loves the Lord themselves, and that's where the potential comes to encourage others, but he's always nudging people toward God, nudging them toward the Savior even to the Word of God, to His promises. To be a refresher doesn't take much sometimes. Maybe just a smile at the right time and a pat on somebody's shoulder or a hug or giving them a verse of Scripture or an experience of your own or just letting them know that you care. By the way, this church is a great example of Philemon and 
refreshing. This church does it all the time. So I'm not telling you anything new, but in our year of transformation and growing closer to Christ, I want to encourage you, part of that symptom will be, that characteristic will be that you're willing to refresh others. You do it with uh, Thanksgiving. We do it with Thanksgiving. All of the turkeys that go out to everybody and sits on their table and we hear the stories, how encouraged they are, that's refreshing. Um, you've been gifted cards with tips or different things people do. The church is active and your actions show that you're a church of the Bible. So we all want to be Philemon's. We want to be the best Philemon's we can be. And Paul felt that encouragement from him. I'll give you an example. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It says, uh, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus because they have made up for your absence. For they refresh my spirit as well as yours. Paul uses that word refresh a lot in his, in his writings and in his life because he understands the encouragement to the inner spirit of a person that's needed, both from your relationship with Christ and your relationship with one Christian to another. Uh, an example in my life, uh, Dick Helm, I call him Coach. Coach Helm, he was my college coach. Um, he was the first man that shared the gospel with me. Uh, led me to Christ and has discipled me for 46 years. I've known Coach for 46 years. Whenever I have a situation I'm not real sure of, I can call Coach and I can get counsel from him. Uh, they've, him and his wife have financially supported us for all these years, 42 years of ministry. Um, he's been my friend. He's been like a father to me. He's been my mentor. And after all these years, he was even the president of my ministry for 25 years, World Harvest. And after that, he decided to become my ministry, my minister, I'm sorry, my missionary with World Harvest. And Karen and I in the church have had the privilege of sending him to a number of different countries, Poland, Belarus, um, Belgium. Uh, I think he's gone on a half a dozen trips to each one of those countries. And the interesting thing is, Coach is 85 years old. 85 years old, that's getting up there, isn't it? To be going to all of these countries. But he's like Caleb. He still wants to, to serve the Lord. Coach was actually the coach of the Cavaliers, assistant coach for six or seven years, which brought me to this area originally. I would come to speak to the, the players because of Coach and Lenny's invitation. So I have this relationship with Coach Helm uh, that is like Philemon for me. He encourages me. He refreshes me whenever I see him. And when he invited me uh, last month to go to Belarus, um, I just was thrilled to death that we would actually go and minister together. Coach Helm, because of the NBA and his reputation, has these inroads to all these places in these countries. And so he was going to let me piggyback on that and take advantage of it, and I did. So we went to Belarus. Mikey, can you put up that first picture? Yeah, this is Coach Helm on the left. And this is uh, a pastor and his wife from a house church. And we just given them this Bible. This is a story Bible that actually Coach Helm's son wrote and, and produced, published. And uh, it's in, you can see it's in Russian. So we had 5,000 of these translated into Russian. And we were taking them around the country of Belarus. And um, we would leave some for this gentleman here at his house church. Um, we left them in schools, at prisons, rehabilitation centers, orphanages. 
And it was really interesting to see how hungry they were and excited they were to receive one of these Bibles in Russian. I think of that. The only reason I say that is because for many years, uh, I was invited into the schools in, in different places in America to do the very same thing. Now, not so much. But I go to a place like Belarus where it was under communist rule for years. Communism, it, it deadens the people's hearts and souls. And to see them having some freedoms, and they want to know what they missed. They want to know what you and I got that they didn't. And so there's a hope in the future. The hope of a Bible is a whole different kind of hope than the world's hope, isn't it? It's a whole different thing. And to share that with them and to see them respond, I got to feel like Philemon. Coach and I, coach doesn't go at any slow pace. He says, we're only here for eight or nine days, Tom. We're going to go kind of fast. Well, it was 16-hour days, sometimes four to six meetings in a day. Sometimes he'd go this way, I'd go that way. Sometimes we just talked together. But it was fun. It was fun to see that we were actually refreshing some people in a country where they need it. I couldn't get a smile out of anyone when I got off the plane. Everybody was, walks around like this. Really, and they never get eye contact with you. I mean, I'm used to the Philippines where every single person makes eye contact with you, smiles, says, hi, Joe, or something. But even though it's a different culture and a different people, the spiritual need is the same. They need to be refreshed. One lady came up to me after one of the times I spoke. She said, uh, thank you for your message. I said, oh, great. What part did you like? What could I pray for you for something? She goes, you know, you taught us to smile again. I couldn't have got a bigger compliment in that country to smile again. We have so much we're thankful for here. But I saw these folks, and I, my heart went out to them, that they need to know the joy and the security of the Lord. And even Paul in prison, Philemon, gave him that encouragement, that refreshment. Um, pop up that other picture, would you, Mike? Yeah, I got a group hug from the kids at the elementary school. You know what's interesting about this picture is these kids are all, it's a Jewish school. Now, why in the world would the headmistress of this school invite us to it when she knows we're going to talk about Jesus and we have a Bible to give? New Testament and Old Testament. You know what she said? I said, I really appreciate you being this open because sometimes, you know, she said, no, Tom, what do I got against Jesus? I haven't seen anything in Jesus that's going to hurt my kids. I like that attitude. That could go over big in our country, couldn't it? What about Jesus is going to hurt you? Yeah, it's not. He's the refresher of our souls. And again, we got to speak to all the kids. It was refreshing to be in that place. Because not only when you refresh people, often you're the one who gets refreshed. It's that relationship that only God can put in our hearts that causes that type of thing. Um, Sasha, next picture. This is great, isn't it? Technology. This little gal was so precious. I spoke at the Institute, um, I mean the Academy, the Olympic Training Academy and Institute. And um, I think it was in Brest. Yeah, I think it was Brest. Anyway, they had about 100 of the top athletes in the country. They're Olympians and they're athletes, international national champions and to go overseas and participate. And so we spoke to him. Coach spoke, and then I spoke. And this gal came up afterwards and introduced herself, and I saw her watching. She spoke beautiful English. I said, man, you speak great English. She said, are you going to be speaking again? Because I really liked what you had to say. I think she got a little refreshment. I said, yeah, I'm speaking at the... Um, 
Well, would you go to sports stadium tomorrow? It's open to the public. She goes, what time? I told her. She said, I'm coming. And she did. She showed up. And it was at this place here in the picture. And afterwards, she came up again. And I said, she said, man, I really enjoyed that. I said, you know, you sure have a good English. I cannot believe the Because we had interpreters wherever we went. And I had to usually communicate by interpreter with her. No. I said, what can I pray for you for? She said, I want to know Christ. I said, great. She said, I want to know, I want to have this joy that you have. And I said, it's free for everybody. And so she came to Christ that night. And that's the picture there. She had just come to Christ and she was so excited. I asked her, I said, you know, again, about your English. I said, how come you got so good at it? She said, I, internationally, when I compete, I learned English because it's important to communicate. I said, oh, you, you've already competed internationally. Have you done okay? She goes, yeah, I've done okay. I said, well, what kind of competition? She said, well, actually, if you don't mind me saying, I'm the European champion in swimming in my event. I went, wow. She said, also, Tom, if you don't mind me saying, I'm the world champion in my event. <laughs> you don't get any better than that. But she said, you know, swimming, sometimes it doesn't make me feel whole. Sometimes it's hard to go to the pool. And I said, because it's a temporary thrill, isn't it? There's, there's our chances to refresh people in many different ways. When the opportunity comes, take advantage of it. And that's why our theme for the year is transformation, getting closer to Christ than we were at the beginning of the year. And as we do that, one of the natural things that should come of it is that you're a refreshing Christian and that you can refresh others. Um, let's go from Belarus. We had a wonderful time in Eastern Europe, but I also went to the Philippines. Back to the Philippines for the first time, and I know I put many of you in a worry, but uh, I, no one was worried more than Karen and I, I tell you that. It was nerve-wracking to go back, and uh, it turned out that it wasn't as safe as I thought either, even after the number of years I waited. But, oh, to see my kids, the group hugs with those kids again. They're all grown and graduating and getting jobs, some getting married, speaking at the churches or to believers there, and the welcome that I got from everyone. Everyone was so... Shocked that I came back, first of all, but thrilled that I was there. Um, one of the persons that I had a very encouraging time with, I call him the Philemon of the Philippines. His name is Andrew Learson. Mike, pop that one up there too, thanks. Andrew, um, he's about 15, 17 years older than me. Um, great Christian guy, Chinese by birth, but has lived most of his life in the Philippines, speaks the language, Philippine citizen, but a very, very strong Christian. He invited me to, out to a beautiful supper, and he said, I just want to get to know you more and treat you. And I said, okay. We went out one evening, and we went through hours. We just sat there, and we told each other our testimonies and what God has done, and we refreshed each other. It was awesome. And he says to me, Tom, you know, I, money cannot solve all problems. I said, oh, yeah, I know that. He said, but it can be an encouragement. And he said, I want to give you something. And he handed me a whole handful of $100 U.S. bills. And so I put them in my pocket and I thanked him. I said, you don't have to do that, but thank you for it. And he said, but that's not all. He brought out his checkbook and he wrote a check out for 200,000 pesos, which is also a lot of money. And he said, I want you to use this, any of your ministry in the Philippines as you go around this week, or whatever your ministry is doing. That guy knew how to refresh. Man, I walked out of that restaurant, I felt terrific. <laughs> and we're still communicating back and forth. Don't you want to make people feel like that if you can? Uh, 
this church has the capacity and already the record of spiritually refreshing people. Let's just get better at it. Um, many, I, how do I explain this? It's always hard. I was in the prison in the Philippines. I was uh, falsely accused, so I spent some time there. Most of you know that. For you that don't, don't be too shocked. Um, these things happen. And while I was in there, uh, a couple of experiences that taught me about this refreshing was the visitors that I got. Um, Paul talks about the men who came and visited him in prison. Even in um, one chapter, he says, they had to seek me out. Anisiphorus, I think his name was. He had to come in to Rome and look for Paul and find him. I had that happen to me. Many people that visited me came from other countries, came from other islands of the Philippines. Some were Filipinos, some were foreigners, some were Australian, American. But wow, the encouragement that they would show up at that prison to try to encourage me in the Lord. Some would come, churches would come and they couldn't get in, so they would stand out in the alleyway there and sing loud enough that we could hear them into the prison cells. Encouraging. One day I was going from my cell out to the visiting area to meet Karen. And on my way out, I noticed one of the guys had gotten in trouble and was getting disciplined by the guards. Now, discipline from in prison can entail a lot of things. Don't want to hear about that. It, it's just tough. Um, and as I went out, they had them handcuffed to the bars, and then these bars going up and down. They had them handcuffed to one of those, but also there was a bar going this way, so he couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't even sit down the rest, and he had been standing there for hours. Um, not only is he getting disciplined, he's getting humiliated in front of all the guests that see him standing there like that. And man, he was sweating. In the Philippines, it's hot and humid, especially in those cells. There's no air con or anything like that. And I felt for him. And as I went by him, um, I know that you're not supposed to intervene in any uh, beatings, discipline, uh, any kind of things like that to the uh, other inmates. You just stay away from it. But the Lord put on my heart several verses as I walked by. This is the problem with reading your Bible. Sometimes the Lord gives you a prod through the verse that you read. And I thought of that verse, if you even give a cold cup of water to one of mine. And I'll do the other one in Matthew 25, 40, where it says, if you've done these things to them, you've done these things to me, as you've done to me. And he said, Tom, get the water and go give them a glass of water, a cup of water. And I looked around, there's a lot of people, and I thought, you know, they're, they're looking at this guy like he's invisible. Nobody even notices him. What's the chances? I could probably get a cup of water with him, nobody noticing. And so I took the water over to him. He grabbed that water. You want to see somebody refreshed. Boy, he drank that water down, and the first thing he said, boss, could you just give me one more? So I wasn't counting on that. I went back across, and I'm thinking one time was one thing. On my second time back, I, I realized that all the visitors and the guards were looking at me. They were looking at me like, what are you doing? And I gave them the water, and I thought that's going to cost me something, and it did. It cost me something. Never mind about that. Here's what it produced. The refreshing of that guy with just a couple of cups of water, several days later, he gave his life to Christ. Now, it wasn't because of the water. It's because of Jesus saving him and drawing him toward him. But it sure didn't hurt that I had this relationship with him. These personal relationships we have, folks, that is so important in the Christian life. You can refresh people by that relationship you have with them. Whether it's in your own family, at church, or at work, or the places you go and meet people. 
I get thrilled going to Belarus. All I could think of was these relationships I was making in an opportunity. Um, one thing in prison that's tough is it gets boring. Um, there's, there's long periods of boredom punctuated by brief periods of a lot of violence. And so, but I thought the guys sit around and they're just getting worked up for the next violent episode or fight or whatever. And so I thought, what could we do to make this a little more lively in here, a little more enjoyable? And I know you're not supposed to do that in prison, but I'm thinking, what? and I came up with an idea. They, they love basketball in the Philippines. It's a national sport. I think it's the only country in the world that's a national sport. Every Filipino loves basketball. Men, women, children, everybody. So one of the guys that was visiting was Norman Black, uh, an American that I'd led to Christ years earlier. And he was coming to the prison late at night after his games to visit me. And wouldn't you know it, they would let him in. There's no visiting hours that time. But because he was Norman Black, he'd come in, sign autographs for the inmates, tell a few stories, and visit me and encourage me. He was refreshing. And the games were in the playoffs, like the Cavs are now. They were having the playoffs, so the inmates asking him about the playoffs. What's happening? He said, oh, I wish you could see it. They're great games. And I thought to myself, I wish we could see it. So I told Karen, bring me 30,000 pesos. She said, say what? I said, bring me 30,000 pesos. That's attracting a problem in a prison when you have a lot of money, isn't it? But I wasn't going to have it long. I took the money and I went to a guard, which was the biggest risk. Because when I gave the money to that guard to buy a TV, I said, I want you to buy the biggest TV this money will buy. And we're gonna, I want to put it up in the cell block. And he said, why would you do that? I said, what do you mean? He said, why would you do that? You don't have to do that. Here's the thing about Philemon's. Is you don't do it because you have to or you're obligated. You do it because Christ has put it in your heart to do something. That unconditional love, that sensitivity to other people, that's what makes us unique as Christians. We don't deal with the world the same way. I said, I just want the guys to see a game and be happy for a while, to refresh them a bit. That guard could have taken that money and gone, and I wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. But doggone he came back with the biggest TV you've ever seen, this big flat-screen TV. And so they started recruiting guys in there. Well, some of those guys, before they went to jail, were welders. I can weld this. I can make this frame up in the corner. And they got it up there, and somebody knew technology anyway. I didn't do much. I just paid for it. But I got to enjoy watching other people enjoy it. They put chairs in our cell block one. We're 40 in there, and we're packed pretty tight. Personal space is not a privilege in cell block one in a prison. But we invited the guys from cell block two to come over too. So now we had 80. Plus all of the guards came. We had 88. And we all tucked in there wall to wall. I mean... Shoulder to shoulder, and they tell you to see people enjoy that game. We even got popcorn in there. So we, we had someone cook popcorn, and we have having popcorn. To see those guys enjoy for a little bit of time something that they love to watch. Do you think it helped? Do you think it might have been why some of the guys ended up listening and coming to Christ later? Yeah, because of that atmosphere you create when you are someone who refreshes people like Philemon. And there's not anybody that's a Christian that doesn't have the ability or capacity to do that. But it comes from your relationship with Christ growing from beginning of the year to the end of the year. I pray you'll have those opportunities to refresh somebody. What I cannot believe when I came out of there until now, these years later that I'm a free man, the refreshment that you and the church and Joe gave me. This is an example. This is 
These are the texts by phone. We weren't supposed to have a phone in prison. In fact, it wasn't a cell line, what you call it, a signal. But you tell me how Joe and I wrote a thousand texts to each other. A thousand of these things. That's 1,000 refreshing texts from my best friend. Do you think it was at the right time? I know how Paul felt. Not to be forgotten. In fact, people to seek you out and to encourage you. I have one friend, Steve Sinclair. We were missionaries together in the Philippines for all these years. I was in a hospital in Elgin, Illinois, having an uh, operation on my elbow. I had seven operations on this elbow. Um, and that was the most painful one. They had to do a lot of manipulation, and every hour they would come in and manipulate, and they'd close the doors, and I'd make a little noise. And so I'd have my Bible, and I'd open my Bible, and I would be looking for encouragement, refreshment from the Lord, because it didn't take long from one hour, finished, read my Bible, the next hour is on you, and there you go again, manipulating that arm. Boy, I was on one string, me and Paganini. And I know some of you in here, you're on one string, you know. Uh, some that are broken. But that's sometimes the place God reaches us most. Steve Sinclair drove from St. Louis to Elgin, Illinois, six hours to encourage me in Christ. Then turned around and drove six hours all the way back to his church to speak the next morning. A 12-hour round trip for 30 minutes with me. The guys are Philemon. We are all Philemons. I'm praying that our church will continue to grow, as you already have, Keep on doing, as Thessalonians says, what you've been doing and continue to grow. We got 9,000 plus people, possible Philemon's hanging around here. We can make an impact. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Philemon and his example. Thank you for Paul and his example, Coach Helm and his example. Lord, uh, I thank you for the people in my church, my home here. Uh, the refreshing feeling I get just coming here on Sunday. Most of all, though, we thank you for Jesus. You are the refreshment of our souls, and we love you for it. In your name we pray, amen.